Welcome to the Dogwood Church Podcast. For more information, download the Dogwood Church app or visit dogwood.church. We hope that today's message encourages you to take your next best step in following Jesus. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me online uh, for our uh, worship service, our Dogwood worship celebration uh, today. And I'm especially glad that uh, God has provided this capacity for us uh, to join together uh, while we're all physically uh, apart. I I have uh, been praying for all of you, um, many of you by name, but there are many, so many of you, I can't get to all of your names, but praying for our church family. Uh, Also, all of you who are joining us uh, literally around the world, we have had people uh, sign in and let us know that they were participating in our services from from countries around the world, and uh, so welcome to our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who are outside of our uh, Dogwood uh, Direct uh, community, and we're glad you're here. We are uh, all in need of hope. We're all in need of hope, uh, especially uh, these days as we are uh, walking through this coronavirus pandemic, uh, we're in need of, of hope. And we Christians, followers of Jesus, have a great, and the Bible calls a certain hope. And that word certain means guaranteed. Uh, through the life, through the death, through the resurrection and the ascension, and the, uh, the uh, anticipated return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He has given us hope for this life, uh, for this crisis, and for the next. So that's one of the reasons that we have been continuing uh, the series of of messages from God's Word uh, each week that we had planned already. We're in a series called Words of Christ from the Cross. And uh, in preparation of Easter weekend, where we celebrate the resurrection, we join with our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world uh, to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, we have been uh, meditating on the seven statements of Jesus uh, from the cross uh, to enable us to draw near to him, closer and closer uh, to him as we prepare to celebrate the the life that he provided. Now we are uh, today, this Sunday, we are in uh, week number six of this journey uh, to uh, Easter weekend, and um, we come to the sixth word of Christ from the cross. And let me ask you a question as we uh, all join in uh, together. Uh, Have you ever made a statement something like this, I just can't seem to get it all done? Well, we've all said something like that at one time. Uh, or another. You know, our, our lives and actually the entire world is filled with unfinished projects, unfinished buildings, unfinished dreams, unreached goals. Uh, but the fact is, uh, you, and I will, you and I will die with some unfinished business. Uh, we all do. Uh, there's, there is uh, only one person ever to die with no unfinished business, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, for his entire time on earth, Jesus had one overarching goal, and we find it uh, in John chapter 4, verse 34. I think you'll see it on the screen. 
Jesus said, my food or my goal or my nourishment or what I'm after, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Uh, Fortunately, for you and me, he did finish it. He finished it all. And uh, this is what Jesus proclaimed in what Christians traditionally have called uh, the word of victory, the sixth statement that Jesus made as he was hanging on the cross. I'm going to read it to you. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to the Gospel of John, fourth uh, book in the New Testament, the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 28 uh, through 30. This is God's Word. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, well, actually he shouted, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. This is God's word. Pray with me wherever you are. And so, Lord Jesus, we now pray as we do every week when we open your holy scriptures together. We pray that you would open our eyes that we may see wonderful things from your word, and that you would open our minds, that we may understand the scriptures, understand them rightly, that we may respond in understanding and following you rightly. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, as I said, many uh, traditionally call this phrase the word of victory. Jesus is announcing that our, the, the payment for our salvation has been accomplished. Now, over the years, many memorable statements have been made uh, of victory in different uh, arenas, in battles, in sporting events, in contests, in uh, scientific breakthroughs. Uh, but these are the most important, uh, three of the most important words of victory in the history of mankind. It is finished. Now, again, note that Jesus shouted this. He shouted this. But at that moment, it's interesting, no one around him understood what it meant. Uh, The Roman soldiers thought, well, this radical revolutionary is finished. The the Jewish religious leaders thought, well, our competition is now finished. Pilate, the governor, thought, my political headache is, is finished. The disciples thought, our dream of the kingdom of God is finished. The devil thought, The Son of God is finished. But Jesus didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. So our big question that we want to answer together today is, what is it? What was Jesus referring to? What was finished? What did Jesus accomplish? Well, some might say, well, his suffering or his humiliation or his pain was finished. And that's true. But that's not what Jesus was referring to. Here. And so today I want to explain five tasks that Jesus finished that he completed on the cross. Uh, and so first let me explain the word that he proclaimed is uh, one word, tetelestai. 
And uh, this, this ancient Greek word was used um, at least five different ways in the culture of the time. For example, a servant would use that word and say to his master, tetelestai, meaning uh, the job you gave me is completed. Uh, a judge in a courtroom uh, would use it as a judicial term, uh, tetelestai, uh, the justice has been served, justice has been served, it is finished. Uh, uh, in the business world, it was also used as an accounting term, uh, used to say the debt has been paid in full, tetelestai, the debt has been paid in full. Uh, archaeologists have discovered uh, ancient uh, documents, uh, business documents, and uh, to see this written across uh, tax receipts, just uh, an accounting term. An artist would use it to celebrate the completion of a beautiful piece of art. Um, to telesty, the, the picture is finished. The final stroke has been completed. Every detail is, is done. A, uh, a Jewish priest would use it to mean this sacrifice has been fully uh, completed. So this single word, this single word sum, sums up all of the, the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, you could say this is Christianity in a nutshell. This is Christianity in a single word. Well, what did Jesus finish on, on the cross? So jot this down. Find something to write with and uh, grab a pen, grab a pencil, uh, grab your journal, grab your uh, sermon notes and jot this down. First of all, uh, Jesus fulfilled what God had promised us. He fulfilled all of the salvation promises of God to you and me. Now, in the Old Testament books, in the Hebrew Scriptures, we find many, many prophecies and promises from God concerning the coming Messiah, the coming Redeemer, the coming Savior uh, that gives you to you and me a glimpse of God's plan to save us from our sins. And Jesus gave us this picture, and then he explained the meaning uh, of it all. On the cross, Jesus finished the work of salvation that God the Father had sent him to do. Listen to this in Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 44 through 47. We find Jesus saying these words, These are my words that I spoke to you, while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name, to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now also in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, God's word says this. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. So when Jesus died on the cross, what did he finish? When he shouted, it is finished, he fulfilled all of the salvation prophecies and promises uh, that God had given to us in the past. And also, a second thing he finished is this, jot this down. He satisfied what God's justice 
required of us. Now, God is a God uh, of order. Uh, One of the reasons that I'm a follower of Christ, there are many reasons, and one of them is that God is a God of order, God is a God of justice, God is a God of fairness, God is a God of laws, and he intends for justice to be served. Ultimately, one day in the future, the Bible proclaims that God will settle all accounts and justice will be be served. And the universe uh, actually works and functions because of the laws that God has established, uh, the laws of physics. God established the laws of physics, the God of chemistry, uh, the God of math, mathematical laws, uh, physical laws, spiritual laws, moral and ethical laws. Uh, This is all truth is God's truth, and therefore truth is a unified whole. Uh, These are not separate from one another. Now, God gave his moral laws his moral and ethical laws and standards to Moses and the ancient Jews to share with the entire world. But we humans, we human beings, every one of us, uh, have at least two problems when it comes to God's moral law, uh, God's ethical standards. And here's the first one. First one is this, and it's obvious. We are completely unable to keep all of God's moral laws all of the time perfectly. We're incapable of that. Uh, We try to excuse it sometimes by saying when we mess up and someone accuses us, we say, well, no one's perfect, like that makes it okay, but it's not okay. In Romans, the book of Romans chapter 3 verse 4, we find these words, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So, God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Now, Jesus Christ is the only person who ever kept God's moral and ethical law completely and perfectly. Uh, We have a problem. We can't do that. We have a second problem with God's moral law, and it's this. Uh, Justice requires that lawbreakers pay an appropriate penalty for their sin. Now, we, we all... We all have this same thing within us. When, um, when, a, when, a, when a sin has been committed, when a terrible crime has been committed in our communities, we just can't seem to, to get peace until uh, the perpetrator pays an appropriate price. We want justice to be served. And God is the same way. Well, fairness requires that we face the consequences of our actions because we are all law breakers and justice must be served. So, but God loves us and he couldn't bear the thought of you and me having to atone for our own sin, make appropriate payment for our own sin. And so he did it for us. Jesus came to satisfy God's justice that God's law requires. Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9. 
After he had finished his work, he became the source of eternal salvation for everyone who obeys him. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 4, the scripture says this, Christ ended the law so that everyone who believes in him may be right with God. Now, some of you might say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Does that mean I don't have to obey the Ten Commandments any longer? <laughs> no, that's not what that means. You see, the root, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to Jesus, God's rules don't change, but the reasons do. The reasons we follow them do change. Uh, so let me explain. Now, listen, listen closely to this uh, because people get this wrong all the time. When you come to the Bible and um, look at all of the, the teachings of the Scripture, you find that there are three, at least three kinds of law or laws referred to in God's Word. The first type were legal laws and in the Old Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, these legal laws were meant only for the newly formed nation of Israel. Uh, we are not obligated to keep those any longer. They were, they were civil laws for the nation uh, of, of ancient Israel. Then there are ceremonial laws or religious laws. laws. Maybe, um, um, well, yeah, uh, the religious uh, ceremonial laws uh, that were for the uh, worship of the ancient Jewish people, uh, the people of God in Israel, including some of these ceremonial laws related to health and uh, hygiene for, uh, for the nation. Well, Jesus ended that system, the Scripture says. There's a third type of law, and this is what we're talking about here, and it is moral law, moral and ethical laws intended for everyone in the world at every time in in history. Jesus did not do away with these. In fact, he said himself, he did not intend to do away with one jot or tittle of the word, one iota of uh, the law. He came to fulfill it. Well, these laws are for everyone and they still apply to all people today. Uh, God's laws about murder and adultery and lying and uh, sexual ethics and on and on and on. So, Listen to this in Romans chapter 5, verse 18. This, God's Word says, Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong, speaking of our father Adam in the Garden of Eden, just as one person did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right, speaking of Jesus. Another person did it right and got, got us out of it all. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life, into life. So what did Jesus finish on the cross? Well, he fulfilled all of the salvation promises of God that we find, and he satisfied God's justice, uh, the justice of God that was required because of sin. But that's not all he finished. There's a third thing. Jot this down. He paid the debt you and I owed. He paid the debt we owed to God. I do this, I owe this, and you owe this. I owe this and you owe this. You owe something to everyone you've ever hurt, uh, anyone that you've offended, anyone that you've sinned against. But that's not all. You and I are in deeper debt to God. 
we owe a deeper debt to God for our sinfulness. And it's a debt that we are unable to repay, the Bible says. We have no ability to repay that debt. We can't make up for it by doing good deeds or, doing, or going through religious exercises uh, or, or donating money to charity. We can't make up for our sin. It doesn't, it doesn't do it. We can't repay. It is a debt we cannot pay. But listen to this. Colossians 2.14 says this, We owed a debt because we broke God's laws, His moral laws. That debt listed all the rules we've failed to follow. But, but God, I love that phrase, but God forgave us that debt. He took away that debt and nailed it to the cross. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, our sin debt was nailed to the cross. And Jesus paid the debt we could not pay. He did it for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, just imagine your credit card company, MasterCard or Visa or Discover or whoever, uh, whatever credit card company you work with, if they called one day and said, we are canceling all your charges. Your record is wiped clean. Uh, Your debt is completely forgiven and forgotten. How would you feel? I imagine you'd feel pretty good. Well, that's what Jesus offers to you and to me. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says, His Son paid the price to free us. He paid the price to free us, which means that our sins are forgiven, every one of them. This is one of the reasons we have hope in this life and the next. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 18, the Scripture says this, And when sins have been forgiven... There is no need to offer any more sacrifices. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, not by our good works, lest anyone should boast. We don't have to add to it. There's no need for more sacrifices. Uh, it's, uh, the debt has been paid. Uh, there's no need for the sacrificial system to be reinstated. No need to keep trying to repay God for your mistakes. This is such great news. So when Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished, he was declaring that he had fulfilled all of the salvation promises of God, that he satisfied God's, uh, the justice that, God's, uh, that God uh, required uh, of our sin, and he paid the debt that you and I owed God. And also, there's a fourth one, a fourth thing that he accomplished, and it is this. He defeated the fear of death. He defeated the fear of death. Now, in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic, uh, the fear level of people in our culture has risen dramatically, and many are afraid of death. But many of Christ followers, I've heard from many of you, many of you, in our, even in our Dogwood Church family, even late yesterday, um, I heard from uh, one of the members of our church who said, I'm uh, doing all I can to stay well, but I'm not afraid to die. That's an incredible statement. You do not have to fear death. But the fear of death is a universal fear. But Jesus broke that power over us. This was a battle cry of a victorious conqueror. It is finished, he said. Listen to this. Romans chapter 5 verse 17 says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin 
and death. Through this one man, Jesus Christ. And then in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he, watch this, break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Listen, are you a slave to the fear of dying? Then come to Christ. You don't have to live under that fear any longer because he has defeated the fear of death. You say, well, Pastor Keith, aren't you afraid to die? I'm not. Well, do you have a death wish? Of course not. I want to stay on the planet uh, serving God's purposes in my generation until it's my time to go. But I have no fear of, of death. Christ took that away. And he'll do the same thing for you if you will trust him. Well, so what did Jesus finish on the cross? When he cried in victory, it is finished. Well, here we go. He fulfilled all the salvation promises of God. He satisfied God's justice that was required. He paid the debt that you and I owed to God, the sin debt that you and I owed to God, so we don't have to pay it. And he defeated the fear of death. And there's a fifth thing that he accomplished, and this is a big one too. He destroyed Satan's power to control me. He, he, He destroyed Satan's power to control you. You see, on that cross that day, a cosmic war was being played out. Uh, From a human standpoint, it looked like Satan had won, that the Son of God had died. And Satan thought, I have destroyed Jesus, the Son of God, and I've destroyed God the Father's plan to redeem human beings. But three days later, three days later, Jesus said, I'm back. I'm back. But when Jesus said, it is finished, when he declared it is finished, Satan said, "Uh uh-oh, I'm finished. And uh, I'll be frank. If you don't have Christ in your life, you are powerless against Satan's traps and tricks uh, to, uh, to control you and to discourage you and to defeat you in life. And there are two favorite tools of the evil one that the Bible tells us about. They are temptation temptation to sin and condemnation for your sins. Temptation and condemnation. Well, Jesus destroyed the power of both of those by what he accomplished on the cross. First of all, Jesus destroyed the irresistible power of temptation. The irresistible power of temptation. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, the Bible says, God has freed us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. I mean, this was a fatal blow to Satan's power. Now you might say to me, well, it seems to me that Satan is still powerful and and I still find that I am tempted to disobey God. I'm still tempted to sin. Well, of course you are. You're going to be tempted by the evil one as long as you are on this planet. You're going to be tempted by your own uh, uh, leftover uh, bodily uh, tendencies to disobey God. But what he, what he broke here is this. You are no longer owned by sin. He broke the power 
of sin over our lives. He, uh, he, he broke the power. Uh, the, slave, the, 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 slave does, uh, the sin does not own us here. You are no longer a slave to temptation and sin. If you are in Jesus Christ, you now belong to your choice. Uh, prior, if you are not a Christian, you really are a slave to sin and temptation. You, you, your willpower can hold up for a while, but it is irresistible, and you're going to be swept away by it. But not if you're in Christ. The Bible says he has broken the power, redeemed us back, purchased us back from slavery to sin. You now belong to your choice. You now belong to your choice. He destroyed that tool of Satan. And a second thing, Jesus destroyed Satan's leverage to accuse you of your sinfulness, to condemn you. In Colossians 2.15, the Bible says this, In this way, God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin. And God openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph at the cross where your sins were all taken away. God took away Satan's power to accuse you uh, successfully of sin. Now, some of you say, well, I'm a Christian, and I, but I still look back in regret, and I still grieve, and I still feel guilty about my sins of the past. Well, that's false guilt. Now, does Satan still try to accuse me of my sins of the past? Yes, of course he does. He does it frequently. Well, what do you do, uh, Pastor Keith? Well, I confront him. And I say, you know, I confessed that to Christ, and he nailed that to, cro- to the cross. He has forgiven me my sin, and I've trusted in him. The debt has been paid. You have no business accusing me. Leave me alone. And he does. For the Bible says, submit yourself unto the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Because Jesus destroyed Satan's leverage to accuse you of your sinful past. So let me summarize. Let me summarize. What did Jesus finish on the cross? Well, first he fulfilled the scripture, uh, his promises, what God has promised for salvation. He satisfied God's moral law, the justice that God required. He paid the debt that you and I owed God. Uh, He paid the penalty of my sin. I'm set free from the penalty of sin. He defeated my fear of death and makes that available to you and me. He destroyed Satan's power to control us through temptation and condemnation. He has set us free from the power of sin over our lives because we died with Christ when we gave our lives to him. So when you are discouraged, when you are discouraged, go back and rehearse Uh, read these biblical and theological affirmations, these five statements. Remember what Jesus has already done for you in the past. These five things give us great hope for this life and and for eternity. But let me say, that's not all. There's also hope for your future. Because God is going to finish what he started in you. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, the Bible says this, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished. There's that word again. Finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Listen, give all of your brokenness, all of your sinfulness to Christ and he will go to work on you and he will work in you until he finishes his work in you to make you like Christ in character 
and in value. God's not done with you. He's not finished with you yet. Uh, Allison and I recently visited the, uh, the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, North Carolina. And on the, that property, Dr. and Mrs. Graham, uh, are, uh, their gravesite is there. And um, on uh, Mrs. Ruth, Mrs. Graham's gravestone, it is written these words, construction completed, thank you for your patience. You see, he, you are still under construction. He is still shaping you. And one day he will come to receive you unto himself and you will be, it will be finished. So don't give up. Don't give up. Hang on to him. Now, you and I are still going to have some unfinished business in this world, as we have said. But there's one thing that has been finished for you. It's your salvation. If you are in Christ, listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, Saving, or saving people, is all his idea, all of God's idea, and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It is God's gift from start to finish, from start to finish. And so that's what I want to ask you right now. Have you tr trusted Jesus enough to let him do his work of saving in you? You say, well, how, how do I do that, Pastor? How do I do that? Well, uh, you do two things. First of all, and I tell you this almost every week, so here we go. But I'm going to beat it into your heads because you should, you, you got to get this. First of all, you repent of your sins. That means that you turn from your sinful, self-directed, self-righteous, uh, self-controlled life. And you repent of it and you turn to Jesus in faith. Uh, second of all, you believe in Jesus. You trust in, that means you place your active trust in Jesus Christ alone and what he finished when he died on the cross and rose from the dead as the only thing and the only one sufficient to forgive your sin and give you new life with God. New life with God. And so uh, you be sure to, uh, to do that. That means uh, that you, you repent of your sin, you place your faith in Jesus. Now, some of you are ready to do that right now. And if you are, I want to lead you through a prayer, so pray with me right now. Just take whatever position of prayer posture. You, some of you want to close your eyes. Some of you want to look up to heaven. Some of you just may be looking at the screen. That's okay. But you pray this from your heart to God. Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinful person in need of a Savior, and I believe you are that Savior. And so I now repent of my sin. I turn from, I admit my sinfulness. I turn from it. I turn from my self-control, my self-centered, my self-directed life, and I turn to you in faith. I believe when you died on the cross and rose from the dead, that you finished the work for my salvation, 
that you, pro- you paid the debt that I could not pay, that you satisfied your very own demands of justice, and that you made a way for me to be forgiven and have eternal life. And so I put my active trust in you. Come into my life right now, Lord Jesus. Come in as my Savior and forgive me of my sin and cleanse me. Come in as my Lord and my God and uh, take control of me and fill me with your Spirit and enable me to know, be, and do what you want me to know, be, and do the rest of my life. As you give me grace and strength and help, I commit to walk with you for the rest of my days. And I give you thanks for these things. And Lord, I thank you for hearing these prayers. Amen. Now, one, a couple of things I want to say to you. If you have just made that commitment, uh, I want you to go to your Dogwood Connect card. Either if you're watching online at our website or on the Dogwood app, uh, you'll see where you can connect to the Dogwood Connect card. Fill that out. Give us your name. But scroll down to the uh, statement uh, that says, My Decision Today. And check that statement that says something like, today I asked Jesus into my life or I committed my life to Christ to Jesus today. And uh, we will get that and we will send materials to you to help you uh, uh, start off right in your new uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if you have prayed to receive Christ, the next step of obedience uh, for you is to go public with your faith by being baptized sometime, someday, in some week, uh, this uh, pandemic is going to be over and we will be able to gather together physically as a church family once again. When we do that, we will be prepared to help you celebrate your Christian baptism. But if you're interested in baptism, let us know on the Dogwood Connect card and we will be in touch with you and make those arrangements when it is Um, when it is possible. Now, one thing for those of you who are followers of Christ. The work of Jesus on the cross is finished, but our work as his followers is not finished. It is unfinished. And what what is that work? It's to tell others the good news, the good news you've been hearing this morning. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. You be sure to do that. Uh, with the people where you live, where you work, where you play, uh, people in your networks that you're communicating with uh, online, that is our work. In fact, that's the work of our church. We exist to make more and better Christ followers who love God and love people here and around the world, and God help us to do that. Well, God bless you. Uh, Thank you for uh, listening in, and I'm going to pray for you one more time. Lord, now bless us as we serve your unfinished work in this world. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information and to access other messages, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, text keyword Dogwood on your smartphone to 77977 or click the Give button online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices to stay connected to all the latest podcasts, videos, and events from Dogwood.